can be seated. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today. Beautiful Michigan weather, and we get to come and we get to worship with a community of believers and just to declare how great God is. And it's, it's a cool opportunity for us today to hopefully, as that song just said, to recognize the Father's love for us. Uh, in doing so, as we're in this series right now, as I acknowledged before as I was reading scripture, called Lost. And today, we're going to be looking at the Father's response to this young son who left and went to do his own thing. In fact, to give you a summary, I want us to begin by looking at a picture. Uh, my friend Marsha gave me this picture of... Uh, a portion of Israel. This is the Sea of Galilee. Um, and I love this picture. I absolutely love it. Because Jesus began his ministry off of the Sea of Galilee, Messianic ministry, and he's preaching, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I say this a lot because these are, I say a lot the basic premises of what you need to understand. After his baptism, chapter 3 of Matthew, what you have is his temptation for 40 days in Matthew chapter 4, but then he begins his ministry, Messianic ministry, and he's preaching to people even here off the Sea of Galilee. And as he's doing so, right, you start to imagine all the ones who are hearing him. Well, now he's telling this story. It's in the latter weeks, probably going up to Jerusalem for the very last time. He's been ministering for several years. And here, this is the view that he would have been looking at across to a region called Decapolis. Mentioned that last week. Here's a younger son. He says to his father, I want my inheritance. We already know how crazy that is to even request such a thing. But he does. His father agrees to it. And he goes across and he stays and he ends up eating with the pigs, even wanting that bitter blackberry from the pigs because he has nothing. And he goes, man, as he's looking across this sea, how many of my father's hired servants, that's already the lowest of society, right? How many of the lowest of society already have more than I do? And he's going, maybe I need to go back. So here's the father. I can imagine, I'm looking at this, and I'm going, what if I'm the father? And I'm looking across this sea. It's the same sea that Jesus would push out onto in a boat because the crowds were just swarming him. Like he's just wanting, he's needing respite. He's needing to go be with the heavenly father. And so this is the same place he would push out on to get away from all the people, to have time with the father. He'd get out somewhere else and pray to the almighty God. This is what you're looking at. And here's the father in this story in Luke chapter 15 that he's telling us. Where I think the father is standing there and he's looking out over this sea. And all he can think of is my son is over there. My son is over there. And I know that as a father that I probably would have been weeping as I pictured what my son was going through across that sea is he still alive how bad is he hurting what's going on with his life and also I wish I could right now I wish I could flip that picture because then I'm thinking about the son and how he's looking across that same sea from the other direction and seeing home and going, how many of my father's hired servants have more than I do? I need to go back. I'm not going to stay here and die. This is the view. And so many people today are looking across this sea that they think is impossible to get across or to get around. And they're hurting and they're broken. 
That's what we talked about last week with the younger son and how broken he became in his own life. And it says, it's remarkable because in verse 18, and I'd love for you to go to Luke chapter 15 and jump to 18, and we're going to start walking through some of this. Luke 15, starting with verse 18, right? And if you don't already know, guys, we made up uh, Council of Nicaea about 330 years after the birth of Christ. We, we, we included the, the chapters and the verses to help us track and to go to different places, right? Um, so here, that's a, an easy way to go, okay, Luke chapter 15, and then the, the next set of numbers that we're talking about is the verse within that chapter. And so you go there um, in Luke chapter 15, and this is what he says. He says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Here's another way of saying it. I'm not going to stay here and die. I'm not going to stay here and die, and so I'm going to get up. I've been broken. I've been convicted. I see what others have, and I want that too. I can see across the the lake, the sea that's there, and I want to go home. He's like, this is my plan. I'm going to go back to him. I'm going to tell him how horrible I've been and that he can hire me as one of his servants. Now, they would have all understood this, every single one of them. But there was a lot of anxiety. I can, only ima- I can only imagine being the younger son who's been in this far away country. Yes, maybe it's not all that many miles, but it was considered far, far away. You would not have gone there otherwise, right? You were leaving the life that you had. And now all of a sudden, he's wanting to go back home. Think about the anxiety and the nerves of that, that walk. Because there, in their society, you need to know the culture from what it's sitting in. Here would have been the normal response and expected response of the people. The people would have said, you know, here comes his son. They all would have known what he would have done. And so they would have, they would have ignored him. They would have said, you know what, we're not going to open our doors to you. We're not going to speak to you. And the father would not do that either. And so what would happen is he would have to sit in a courtyard or in an area of the town in which he came from, and he would have to be humiliated. Why? Because that's what he gets, right? He already took part of the inheritance, and he did all that. That's what he, that's what he deserves. And I, I, I find even as myself, as a parent, sometimes I have to be careful about saying, well, that's what you deserve. Because here's a picture of the father that shows something very, very different. Even though the culture, the Pharisees, as they're listening to this, the religious elite are listening to this and they're going, no, 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 what he needs to do, he needs to come back, he needs to apologize, everybody's going to ignore him, nobody's going to address anything that he's done in terms of speaking to him. Right now, they're just going to humiliate him by letting him sit in disgust. And then after several days, what would take place, the father would come to him and hopefully receive repentance from the son and possibly bring him back in as a servant. Now, that's, that's the cultural expectation here. That's the cultural expectation of how the father would receive the son. Well, the younger son's been broken. And, and I think even just that journey of what is about to come would keep many from making the journey, taking the journey, taking the initial step that's needed to make that journey to God. But there's this beautiful picture of one who has been broken, who has been convicted, and as a result, has repented. 
And that repentance has led to salvation, and he's wanting to go home. Why? Because we know that repentance, repentance and faith are always linked. They're always linked. It's something that's powerful for us to recognize that even true repentance, true repentance hates the sin. Not merely the penalty of the sin. And here's someone I believe who started to recognize that it was deeper than just a few actions that he did wrong. He began to recognize that he needed to repent. Now, we find in verse 20, he says these words, and I read them earlier in verse 20 and following, he says, he arose, he came to his father. And he arose, he got up, and he went to his father. Remember, now, this journey would have been full of angst and just, I think, a fear of what could come. But he goes, and he comes to the father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. All right, let's jump back into the culture. Isn't it amazing how different cultures and and different expectations within cultures define what we do and what we don't do? Because in that culture, for one, the son would need to be humiliated, right? But also, the father is shown as he's jacking up his dress and he's running. He's jacking up his robe. He's running toward his son. Listen, there are certain things that you don't do in certain cultures. And in the Middle East, men don't do that, right? Just like in Michigan, there's certain things you don't do. One, you do not pull for Ohio State. Amen. You better be clapping for Jesus later is all I got to say. You don't drink sweet tea. You don't eat grits, sinners. Why? Because you don't even know what they are. Um, it's just ground corn. You put a pound of butter with some, any kind of grit, it's going to be good. All right? There, you don't say y'all. I'll, edu- I'll educate you. All right? There's certain things you don't do in certain cultures where in that culture... You don't, if you're a nobleman, you don't jack up your robe and start running to your son. One, you've already broken the whole rule of let him be humiliated. Let him be, he he deserves it. Don't you know how wrong he was and what he did to me? Like people wanted you to feel that way. Isn't it? It's phenomenal to me how often we feel better about ourselves when we keep a hand pushing down on someone else. How dare us? And I, literally, I think it makes us feel better because we're like, well, we're better than they are. Or that's your goal? That's your target? When the God of the universe gives you his son, your goal is just to simply be better than that schmuck over there is what you're thinking? Let's not lie about it. And so here's a father who's... Just shattering the cultural perceptions. And he's saying, you know what? This is what we need to do. I'm going to, I see him. It, it talks about it in this same passage. And it says that he felt compassion. The Greek word in compassion here is talking about his innards, like the, his bowels. There was a physical response to seeing his son who's about to have to go through this. 
you, you've, you've seen that before, haven't you? Like where you, you see some, someone going through something and you're just like, oh, and you hurt for them. You're like, that, oh, oh, oh. And you just, you're, it's painful. Well, I, he saw this son of his walking. And you, that means he was looking for him too because he saw him, he says, a long way off. And you know he loves his son because he can tell probably, can't even see the facial stuff going on with his eyes and stuff, but he could see the way he was walking. He knew, he's like, you, you, know those, you know that's your boy by the way he walks. I can tell you my kids right now, the way they walk, you can put a mask on them, it doesn't matter. They all walk like sloth, right? Stand up, boy. He's looking a long way off, and he sees his son coming, an automatic, at a distance. He sees his son. He breaks every cultural perception there is, and he just starts running. Wow. Not only is he running, I mean, that's, that's, that's disgrace in itself. But it tells us in the passage, his father saw him, felt compassion. Oh, this hurts to see my son like this. And then after feeling that compassion, that created a response. You see, that's called Holy Spirit also coming and speaking to you. And when Holy Spirit comes in and speaks to you, it demands a response. Anytime God speaks, it demands what? A response. Here's his response to God coming and speaking to his inner being is that he got up and he ran. He got up and he ran and he Hugged, he embraced his son and kissed him. See, that's one of our struggles right there. It's like we skip over this part. I'm going to ask Jason Harmson, will you please come up here? Um, I would like to ask for forgiveness for anything I'm about to do. All right, you know, come on, come on. He can take it, he can take it. So, is it, this is funny, in our culture, we're talking about cultural perceptions and everything else that takes place. Um, this, is, this is what we do to people. We, we come up and what do we do? Shake hands. How you doing? And if we're really intimate, we do this. And we do the bro hug. We always keep an arm in between us and the other person's body. Right? And if you're really intimate, you do it. Come on. And you do the, you do the, you do the pat. Right? Isn't that cool? We're awesome. And then another thing we do is we, we not only shake hands, we moved from shaking hands many decades ago. Somebody come, came up with the high five, right? And that's like the intimate, like, oh, yeah, you're my buddy. You're my friend. And then somebody who I don't like came up with the fist bump, right? It's like we, we want to touch, but we don't want to get too dirty. You know, you, you know, are you married to the person who does this? And then they secretly do the hand gel, I mean, if you're feeling really good that day, you do the fist bump and you blow it up, right? And for some reason, when we play sports, we slap them on the bum, right? Awkward. <laughs> that didn't happen in the last service. <laughs> Was not expecting that. Weirdo. God, please be with Jason's wife, Lindsay. Watch over her. Um, but isn't that what we do? Now, here, here's, the, here's the thing. This is how we treat people, isn't it? And yet here is a father who sees his son at a distance. 
And what's he do? Starts running. And he sees his son. And he embraces him. Like it's that moment when you're seeing it and you're like, okay, that's a little awkward. But he, like, it's one of those things, he, he, I don't see him letting go. Thank you, brother. Yeah, yesterday, my kids, the four of them left for Kentucky for a week of what they call cousin camp. Praise God. Isn't that good news? It's going to be a good week for me. And one of my girls, she's there, and she's like, Dad, I need another hug. I'm like, oh, come here, baby. And I'm giving her a big hug, and I just keep kissing her. And she's like, that's enough. Well, that, that's what that means. Like literally in the language, it would mean just repeatedly kissing, like hugging and embracing. And then one of my sons, I'm holding him, and he's like, you can let go now. I'm like, I don't want to. So the re we actually, we love this story, but the reason we struggle with it is because we want to keep God at arm's length. There was nothing keeping us at arm's length in this story. There's nothing that keeps us at arm's length that's communicated by him jacking up his robe and sprinting down the street toward us through the dirt. Noblemen did not do that and embracing us and kissing us. It's a great picture for you to see right now. This is what I see right there. The father running and wanting to embrace, and we don't even know what to do with it, so we do this. You know, that's an awkward hug. Someone comes and embraces you and their arms just stay like this. See, most people have never truly received the embrace of the father. I believe that. Most of us have never received it. We'll give them a fist bump. We'll give them a high five. But that's where we want to stop. We stop too soon. And then even worse, you know what some people do? They see the father actually running, and then somehow they're so convoluted in who they are in themselves that they actually go, you know what, he should be coming to me. That quickly they change. And so then they sit down and they just wait for the father to come all the way. You arrogant person. He ran and embraced and kissed. Every one of us is a prodigal child. At some point in our life, and too many of us are keeping God at arm's length. See, what, the, what this son was encountering was this, it was love demonstrated with humility. We don't, we struggle with that. Like we even want to forgive someone as long as they know that we were the ones who were right. right? Unless they actually say, yeah, you were right, I was wrong. We don't even want to forgive them. 
And so when they don't say it, we'll even encourage it just to make sure we can hear it. Well, do you, do you see why I think what you were doing was wrong? We, we're giving them every opportunity to disgrace themselves when God of the universe sprinted toward us. That's an awesome love. And he embraced us. And he didn't care about the cultural perceptions. He didn't care a bit. I know, listen, we live in America and we do things a certain way. I am so glad God shattered, shattered, shattered cultural perceptions. Isn't that an awesome God? This kid, he's got to be a kid in some ways. I know he's a young man, but he takes his inheritance, his property. He's like, this is mine. Give it to me, Dad. I want it now. And he took it, and his father gave it to him. He left, and just a few days later, he's out of it, right? There's no preparation probably going on. He was just gone. Waste, he squanders everything with prostitutes, his older brother said later on. So the word must have gotten back to the family of how he was really living, which makes that view from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee even more painful. And this kid who had this speech rehearsed all of a sudden experienced something. It changed his speech, by the way. Remember, he said, I'm going to say these things, but he never had, I said it last week, he never had to say those things before all of a sudden he sees his father running at him. Never had to say any of them. But then he's like, I, I got to get it out. But here's, one of the, here's the part of the speech that changes. He no longer asked to be a hired servant because he had recognized he was still a son. He was still a child. Guys, there's so many people who feel like they can only come to church and they can only plug in, they can only really dive into who God is if they've already figured everything out. That never happens, friends. It never happens. The church is built for people who haven't figured it out. All right? That's why I feel so comfortable here. Right? It's built for people who haven't figured it out and they're looking and looking, and then all of a sudden they see the Father running at them and they go, I don't deserve this, and they don't even know how to respond. And then they go, You know what? But I'm going to hug back. And when they receive the Father's embrace, their life changes. And too many people were keeping God at arm's length and were passing it on to the next generation. And it gets worse and worse every generation. We don't need any more people modeling what it is to go, God, thanks for what you're doing. I'll take a, just a salvation bit just in case, and then I'm going to live my life the way I'm going to live my life. We don't need more of those. We need people who go, yes, I need the love of the Father. And too many of us, we haven't done it. We've given the high five, the fist bump, maybe the slap on the rear end. And think that all of a sudden now we're close. You, here's ah, the father. So here's a picture of the father. This is how this is how eager the father is to receive you. Is that he's willing to get up and run through the dust and the dirt and the filth to get to you.
he ran. And he shattered every cultural idea, every cultural perception of what was proper. I don't want to die. And people go, he sure was proper. He sure did play by the cultural rules of the day. And when you receive the embrace from the Father, the question that comes to mind is, are you willing to also shatter the cultural perceptions to receive his love, but also to love the lost? Right, we want people to come to know Christ, and I'm begging, if you've, if you've kept God at arm's length, I'm telling you right now, if you receive his embrace, your life changes. I'm not saying it's easier, but it is greater than anything you can imagine. If you start to receive the Father's embrace, it's amazing. You figure out life's actually sometimes harder, but it's also a lot easier because you're not having to make every decision for yourself and failing all the time because you're surrendering your life to God. Are you willing to shatter cultural perceptions in order to love the lost? Are you willing to do it? Like you ever had someone, I've had a lot of times in my life, someone has come to me and says, that's not how we do things. Imagine that. Here's God, and every single person who's hearing it is going, that's not how we do things. That's not how we do things. But God, he ran. The Father right here, verse 22, oh, so rich. It says, the Father said to the servants, here's, here's his response, because, okay, the Son, remember, he has this rehearsed speech, and in 21, he gives the rehearsed speech, this is what he says. He says that the Son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he doesn't ask to be made a servant, not this time. Here's the, here's the father's response. Son, you are miserable in what you did. I can't believe it. You need to repent. You need to be humiliated. From, oh, I'm sorry. He didn't say that. The son speaks to him, and here's the father's response. Servants, go get the very best robe I have. Like right now, I'm not even sure if I would have been the son, which I've been before, I'm even hearing the father's words because I'm going, what? Like it's blowing my mind what's taking place. And he says to him, says, bring quickly 
the best robe I have, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. It tells us he's lost everything. It says he squandered everything away, he wasted everything. He's got none of this probably left. Had it before, it's all gone. And now all of a sudden he's saying, give me the best robe I have. Lay it on him, bring it, put it on him. Give him a ring, give him shoes for his feet. Give him everything. And not only that, I need you to go, fill, I need you to go kill the fattened calf. Kill it, slaughter it. We're going to celebrate my son was lost and he is found. Like the fattened calf, not the skinny one. We're, we're arm's length people, right? We would be like we got to do something, so go get a chicken. This is the fattened calf. This is the, this is the cow that even if you're a vegetarian, you want to eat. This was their best. That's what he did for him. Oh, isn't that good? Like, he didn't hold anything back. Cultural stuff would have said, no, 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 you don't do that. You, he's going to earn his way back in. Like, he's got to earn his way back in. You don't understand. The Pharisees would have been out. You know those people who get so mad sometimes their face turns red? You know what I'm talking about? The Pharisees, their face, they're fuming probably when they hear this. And he runs to them. Kill the fattened calf. Let us eat and celebrate. The son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Let me tell you now that this is called the power of God. That grace and forgiveness, grace and forgiveness triumphs over sin at its very worst. No matter what you've done in life no matter what's happened to you in life, no matter what has occurred in the last year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness of God is greater. So it blows me away when people want to keep God at arm's length. How do you want to keep that message at arm's length? How do you not want to just soak that up as much as you can? Father holds nothing back. He calls for a party. My friends are going to come back out, but as they do, it brings about a question for me in my own mind. When I look at the Father and how He responded to the Son, it forces the question of asking yourself, have you and will you receive the Father's embrace? So that's a big, because again, I think most people, arm's length. And you're thinking you and Jesus are tight because you blew up the fist bump. That's not what happened, guys. And you're so measured in everything you're doing with life. And yet God abandoned every cultural perception there is. And he says, this is how much I love you. 
Like, what if we all truly received the embrace of the Father? It changes your life. You don't have to live with the bitterness anymore and the anger anymore. You don't have to live with the judgmental attitude of how everybody else doesn't have it quite as figured out as you do. And you can surrender all of it. And at first, listen, it can be hard. It can be awkward because the, the father's running up to you and he's embracing you. And you're standing there going, oh, my goodness. But then you finally get the courage to relax a little bit in the embrace of the father. And you start to hug back. And that's usually when you break. Because you've encountered something that's amazing. And you begin to hurt so much for other people who don't know him. And you don't care about the cultural perceptions. You're willing to do anything to love people like that. Yes. He ran. 